This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder, the Minisode. That's right, where we read you your <laughs> I story. Told you that. <laughs> How did you not know? Don't make us say it every week. <laughs> uh, you want to go first? Sure. The subject line of this email is Deep Lake Murder Mystery, mm. and then it says, "Hi, y'all." Insert praises here. Hmm. I mean, I understand why people do that, but you know, you can't always do it. You want to hear them. At some point, <laughs> let loose with the compliments. Can we get one? Just one statement. One Just- I statement. One you statement. <laughs> the recent hometown about a scuba diver finding cremains reminded me of a different scuba diving horror story. Do you remember that one about the cremains? Mm-hmm. They thought they found treasure. <laughs> yeah. oh. I first heard this story the day before my sister's wedding. She was getting married in Lake Geneva, a small resort town in southern Wisconsin that's about an hour and a half from downtown Chicago. The lake itself was formed by a glacier thousands of years ago, and despite being only seven miles long, it is one of the deeper inland Wisconsin lakes and reaches 135 feet deep. I remember many a childhood summer jumping into the middle of the lake and using my pink kitty swim goggles to look straight down and see the sunlight from the surface stretch into fathomless dark green depths. Wow. I put A plus on my actual piece of paper. (laughs) That's some descriptive language. It's beautifully paced. It's beautifully chosen descriptive language. It's not overwritten. It's not underwritten. It's Mm -hmm. personal and you could see it yourself. That's great writing. That's exactly right. Anyway, I'm back in the email. Anyway, back to my sister's wedding, where we decided to take a booze cruise before the rehearsal dinner. We rented out a small boat owned and operated by just one dude who was captain, bartender, and tour guide. (laughs) I love that idea. (laughs) My family got a serving platter of Jimmy John's. The captain was sneaking my underage self vodka cranberries. All in all, it was a great time. Oh, yeah. When we were pretty drunk and the captain had slowed the boat down to an idle cruise, he informed us that we were over the deepest part of the lake. He then proceeded to tell us that several years ago, scuba divers had been patrolling this same spot and in the black water at the bottom of the lake, slammed face first into a body floating upright in the water. Mm. The scuba divers, properly shitting themselves, immediately shot to the surface as fast as possible. The body was in such good condition that investigators first thought it was a recent murder. But after some investigation, they connected the body to a woman who went missing six years prior. Whoa. All of this has an asterisk on it, just so you know. That asterisk is coming up. Bodies that deep in the water, the captain said, tend to stay preserved for decades. After that cheery thought, the cruise continued. (laughs) When we got back to the hotel, I immediately Googled the story. Turns out it is a bit less sensational and deeply sadder than the captain let on. 29-year-old Dawn Broussard went missing in 1997. She lived in Burlington, Wisconsin, and worked at a nearby bank. Her body, bound in chains, was indeed found five years after her disappearance by recreational divers in 117 feet of cold black water. However, the body was badly decomposed. Still, investigators were able to note head trauma. 
Five years after the body was discovered, her husband was charged with her murder. Among the evidence against him was the fact that he told the woman he was having an affair with that he was going to, quote, wrap her in heavy chains and cement blocks and throw her into the lake where she would never be found. And Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, so that's that there. What's up? Like, what if a guy you're dating says that to you about his wife? Like, that's... That's when you go ahead and call 911 because you've yeah. got some very important information about an unwell individual yes. in your vicinity. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, because that's not yeah. like I'm frustrated and I'm going. It's it's right. a plan that he is disclosing to his mistress. Yeah. Then they go on to say, I hope he rots and I hope Dawn is at peace. Here are the morals of the story as I see them. Lakes are creepy. Don't scuba dive in them. You don't need to sensationalize the death of a young woman to tell a good story. And captain bartender tour guides who give 19-year-olds booze are maybe not the most upright characters around. Anyway, your podcast is getting me through my PhD. So SSDG and whiskey. <laughs> Say sexy, don't get. And wishing you all the best. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was going to I thought it was going to be a joke. It's just it SSDG. Just, it's okay. funny to me. So anyway, your podcast yeah. is getting me through my PhD. So SSDG and wishing you all the best, Julia, she, her. <laughs> Julia, you forgot an M. You forgot a <laughs> crucial part of that sign off. I mean, that's essentially like a hometown that he's been telling and the details got away from him. I don't think it's like you can yeah. call that sensationalizing, but I think that's the thing of saying, oh my God, can you believe this happened here? Which is what we all do. I can't believe the coincidence that the divers ran straight into her body and were, you know, like otherwise she might've never been found. Yes. Just that one day those divers happened to be in that one area and boom, this guy goes to prison, hopefully forever. Also, the idea that you would be, as Julia very beautifully described, like down in the deep, murky blackness of the bottom of a lake yeah. and swim into yeah. a body that's down there is from every horror movie. Like, that's so scary. Totally. So scary. Wow. Hey, and that was like a cold case that got solved because of those divers. Yeah. yeah. I love it. This is called Babysitting Snafu. Hi, ladies, gents, pets, and hackers reading this email. Oh. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I'm a big fan since I'm writing in. So let's do it. I mean, oh. there's a lot of withholding. I think we've encouraged <laughs> it. You asked for babysitting stories recently. And boy, do I have one for you. Circa 2011, I was working as a nanny in NYC. On our walk home one day to get the little one ready for a nap, I found a cell phone sitting in the middle of a busy crosswalk. Hmm. Would you pick it up, Karen? Yes or no? Depends on where I was headed to. Depends on how many people are on the crosswalk with me, too, though. Like, it's just me, maybe, but if it's a bunch of people, I'm gonna mind my business. Yeah, there's a mind your business element where it's like, what if this is involved in something? What am I supposed to do? Right. Well, here was what you do. Oh. Always trying to do the right thing and instill good morals and values into the toddler brain I was influencing, I decided to pick up the phone so we could try and return it to its rightful owner. That's what I would have done too. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, me neither. I explained to the 2.5-year-old that this was not our phone to keep and that after nap time, we'd be sure to get it back where it belonged. Fast forward 30 minutes, the little guy is napping, so I get to work trying to track down the owner of the Motorola. 
I immediately think burner phone. Someone just like left in the middle of an intersection to get run over. Yes. This person has a clearer conscience than I do. Yeah, I love a description of that Motorola because obviously some it could have slipped out of someone's pocket, but yes. it's much more likely that there's something else going on. Right, right. Well, here we go. Oh. I immediately go to the most recent text, thinking these would be the closest contacts and pals of the poor soul who was now without their cellular device. I was puzzled that no names were saved and all texts were just random numbers. But no stress, I'd move forward with my plan. I texted the top three numbers explaining, hi, sorry to bug you, but I just found this phone and I'm trying to return it to the owner. Please let me know if you know how to otherwise get in touch with whomever that may be. Thanks. Mm. One number texted me back pretty quickly. Thank you. Yes, it was her boyfriend's phone and she would try to figure out how to coordinate with me in order to return it to him. As I was early on the iPhone train at the time, I didn't have a charger for this particular phone and shared with her my own phone number and name, giving her my rough coordinates in the city to figure out a plan to meet up later, explaining that if his phone died, she could still get in touch with me to coordinate the return. She thanked me, promised to get back to me, and I resumed my normal naptime tasks, feeling pretty righteous about my good deed for the day. A few seconds later, another text comes through. Now, remember, no names are saved on this phone, so I see a number pop up and think maybe it's one of the other two people I texted or even the girlfriend again. Instead, I open the text to read, hey, man, do you have those rocks I'd asked for? <laughs> I suddenly realize that it is very unlikely that I have just stumbled upon a tenured geologist professor's phone and more likely that it belongs to a drug dealer. I probably would have ended my quest to meet up with this person at this point. But remember, I had already shared my own personal number and name with the yeah, girlfriend. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so I definitely didn't want to piss anyone off. And your coordinates. And your coordinates. Why aren't you mentioning your fucking coordinates at this point where you're just like, here's my front door. Here's a copy of the key. She said general coordinates. Mm -hmm. But I guess 2011, you can't do a find my phone thing at the time. It's just... I feel like the lessons of mind your business that we have learned in the past seven years yeah. are really what come to mind where it's like, what's the value of running something down for somebody at the second you saw no saved names? Why didn't? Right. right. Come on. It's uh, mind your business. Don't be a hero. <laughs> yes. Unless it's something that you feel important about, I guess. If it's just like a throwaway cell phone, you know, mind your business. And also because that person could be literally 30 steps ahead of you and running backwards to get it. So now you've picked it up exactly. and now it's in your purse and now you're taking it on a whole other journey. There's arguments to be made. I like the kind hearted step one, but then there's other steps where it's like you have to read the signals that the world might not be as nice as you. God forbid. Right, right. Read the signals and then move forward accordingly. Or just become a drug dealer because you have a drug dealer's phone. <laughs> yeah. Over the remainder of nap time, the girlfriend ends up coordinating with me for a plan to meet the cell phone's owner on a busy intersection later that afternoon. I nervously called my mom and explained to her that I would be taking myself and the child I was nannying to meet with the drug lord that day in case anything were to happen. I guess just another normal day in NYC for some. Little guy wakes up from his nap and it's time to lead by example and teach him that we are returning the phone because that is the kind and right thing to do. Ma'am. Thankfully, the encounter with Pablo Escobar 2.0 was fine. A kid, probably five years younger than myself, showed up very thankful and tried to offer me cash, which I feverently declined. There's another mistake. <laughs> as a thank you gesture. Little toddler man learned a lesson in kindness, and I was able to be rid of the hub of criminal activity I'd been housing for the last few hours. 
So yeah, thankfully all was well, but that was one babysitting adventure I didn't want to repeat. So stay sexy and keep toddlers <laughs> away from criminal activity. D, she, her. D, I'm sorry. I've been very critical of you this whole email, but at the same time, had you just moved to New York City from right. Kansas, what are you doing? <laughs> but thanks for sharing. Yeah. Okay, here's a question for you. What do ice, cat litter, and laundry detergent all have in common? If you said they're heavy AF, you're right. Or if you said you don't know you're out of them until it's too late, you're also correct. Most importantly, these items can all be ordered directly to your house with DoorDash. At this point, we all know and love that DoorDash can deliver our go-to comfort meals from our favorite restaurants. But did you know that you can also order household cleaning essentials and even over-the-counter pharmaceutical products through DoorDash? That's right. DoorDash is here to help you in a pinch. Like the 30 minutes before you host a party when you look around and feel like you're missing something, quickly get extra decorations, scented candles, or beer and wine delivered right to your door. Or the day after the party when you realize you don't have enough garbage bags, wet wipes, or ibuprofen to make it through cleanup. DoorDash has you covered. DoorDash is perfect for my parties because every single time we don't get enough ice. Everyone always needs ice and they forget it. And running to the store when your party's about to start or when it's already started or in the middle of it is a nightmare. So having DoorDash drop off some ice or party supplies or whatever you need is so awesome. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Must be 21 or older to order alcohol. Drink responsibly. Alcohol available only in select markets. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Okay. The subject line of this email is the Al Capone story you asked for. And then in parentheses, it says a long time ago. <laughs> hey, pretty ladies. There you go. That's Thank a you. greeting and a compliment all combined in one. I love it. I'm new to the Murderino fam and have been binge listening to your episodes for the past couple weeks. In a Hopetown episode I listened to yesterday, there was a story about Al Capone, and you asked for more mob stories. <laughs> so here I am pretending that was a recent request. Enjoy. The story begins with me getting put in charge of finding a restaurant for dinner while on a family trip in Chicago. Just your typical oldest daughter responsibility. Mm. Google Maps showed a decent place called Exchequer, 
a couple blocks away, and I got the gang out the door. When we arrived, we stepped foot into a time capsule of a restaurant, walls clad with framed newspapers with headlines featuring Al Capone. Hmm. When I asked the waiter if the owner was a big fan, he chuckled and said, this restaurant was used as a speakeasy and a hangout spot for Al Capone back in the day. Wow. Oh, now I want to go there. I want to go there too. I want to go there. I want to see it. Seeing how intrigued my siblings and I were by this declaration, he took us on a quick tour to see the pub's prized possession, Al Capone's escape route. The restaurant still has the door and stairway that led to an escape tunnel, which has since been filled with cement by the city of Chicago. And then in parentheses, it says, boo, no fun. No fun. (laughs) For the rest of dinner, my family couldn't shut up about the mob. My dad, a shy man who usually observes conversations rather than partakes in them, quietly interjected, you know, my grandfather was forced to work for Al Capone and then took another bite of his burger as if he hadn't just dropped that bomb. (laughs) After receiving looks of shock and frustrated replies questioning why he'd never told us this before, he set the scene. Back in the day, my great-grandpa had owned a landscaping company in the outskirts of Chicago. One day, a car pulled up, men hopped out, blindfolded him, and drove away. Oh, my God. I bet they put him in the car after they blindfolded him. That's part, yeah, part and of they it. just drive away. Yeah, and they, they, that's so mean. <laughs> he pulled the blindfold off, was really oh, mad, and that was his it. experience. <laughs> okay. When they stopped, they revealed to him that Al Capone was building an estate for his granddaughters and requested my great-grandpa do the landscaping. Realizing he really didn't have any choice, he gave them a quote and got to work. My dad said his grandpa had kept this job a secret, given how polarizing it would have been to people in his life if they knew that he had accepted or declined work from the notorious gangster. Yeah, you don't decline work. I don't think you can. Weeks passed, he wrapped up the job and was paid. As he began to drive away, he received a send-off message that clearly communicated, don't come back. His rearview mirror was shot. Why? He just did them a nice thing. I don't know. That's wild. Bye. Thank you. Here's your money and a tip. And maybe they're that good where it's like, I'm just going to give him this warning shot of keep your mouth shut or this will go where it's supposed to go next time. Absolutely right. Yeah, why couldn't they just say it with a firm handshake staring you <laughs> deeply into the eyes? There's there's other ways to do the same thing. Yeah. Anyway, my dad wrapped up this story with a sheepish smile, admitting that he thought it was pretty cool, and then in typical protective dad fashion, began to warn us about drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Moral of the story, dads are gems, and if yours is anything like mine, they might be unintentionally hiding some pretty cool stories and just need some help jogging their memory. Even though I'm new here, I can already tell you guys have something really special here by listening to the anecdotes from other listeners. Hmm. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, stay sexy and don't do landscaping, Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the general rule. I love it. Just stay away from all (laughs) landscaping, gardening. I love it when those are just like these sweeping statements of like, just don't go in the forest. Don't do landscaping. Never go into a lake. Mm -mm. Stop scuba diving entirely. That's right. That was a good one. Yeah. Hey, how about a deathbed confession? Love it. Hello, this is my third, fourth time writing in, and I really hope it gets picked. In episode 382, called Under Underpants, <laughs> do you remember that? Nope. Me neither. Georgia stated that the minisodes were severely lacking in deathbed confessions. Well, I got one for my great-grandma, Marie, who I was named after, middle name. Now, let me paint the innocent picture I had of my lovely great-grandma. She lived behind the Lutheran church of our small hometown of Ronan, Montana, a devout Lutheran who I spent many a days playing in her flower garden after preschool. 
The town was very small and the classroom was also in the church. She would make popcorn balls and she would pray to Jesus when I would try and spell dirty words during Scrabble. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Yep. Grandma Marie was diagnosed with stomach cancer and her last weeks on this earth were very hard. Mm. She was surviving on ice chips as our family gathered around in her family home. One by one, we all said our goodbyes. My grandpa, Ted, Marie was his son, went in several times to see his mom deteriorate in her bed surrounded by embroidered Bible quotes. She sat up in bed for the first time in a long time and gave him her deathbed confession. Ted, the man you thought was your father is not your dad. I'm not entirely sure who is. Wow. (laughs) Then she proceeded to lay back down and go back into a trance-like state. What a fucking mic drop. I mean, for real. Apparently, my great-grandma Marie was quite the runaround Sue. Pretty soon, the rest of his six siblings started to question who their fathers were because none of them really shared any similar qualities. I love this so much. However, they decided it didn't matter because their adoptive dad, Dick, was their chosen dad. He married my great-grandma and adopted all the kids when they were adults. Their biological dad, maybe, was an abusive alcoholic. Dick accepted and loved them all the same. I miss Grandma Marie, and I wish she could have gone out in a better way, but she always gave her whole heart whenever someone needed it. Stay sexy and get a genealogy test. Lauren, (laughs) they, them. Grandma Marie, just epic journey. Just what an arc. Like, live your life. Do your thing. Women for so, for thousands of years have been painted into this corner they're supposed to be the perfect mother they're supposed to be the sexiest lady they have Mm -hmm. every they have to answer every single goddamn call and it's like you know what your grandma did she did it all (laughs) she lived her life not someone else's her life yeah and then she was like later on i'm gonna make good with jesus it'll work out i'll make some popcorn balls and we'll you know it'll all be good hell yes Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Goodbye.
The subject line of this one is My Mother the Witch. (laughs) Hi, ladies. I can't tell you how much I love this podcast, and I want to share with you the time my mother ruined my life by being a witch. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. A good opening. (laughs) Right? Yeah. My family has one claim to fame, and that is that we are direct descendants of the man who founded the town of Salem, Massachusetts. Interesting. And then it says, yes, that Salem, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, I don't think there's multiple Salem, Massachusettses. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in New England, and every few years we would take a day trip to Salem, and my brother and dad and I would have to take a million pictures in front of the founder's statue. And then parentheses, it says, if you've never seen it, he's on top of a giant boulder with a rather fabulous windswept cloak like someone is holding a fan while he poses for for an America's Next Top Model photo challenge. So in 1995, I was 12 and it was time to take one of our trips to Salem. It was October. And if you've never been to Salem in October, you definitely should go. Those people know how to celebrate Halloween. After a morning of gallivanting around town, eating caramel apples and having our fortunes told, we headed over to the old courthouse where they always do a reenactment of one of the witch trials. I didn't know they did that. Wow. That's cool. I settled into the wooden pew next to mom, ready for the show. But what I did not realize was that the witch who has to face the trial was a random audience member (gasps) that the performers would choose to join them. Well, my former amateur actor turned professional storyteller mother saw this opportunity and she took it. Wow. (laughs) The trial started. The elders of the community shouting that there was a witch in our midst who must be brought to justice. Preteen me was rolling my eyes and sighing at the absurdity when suddenly they all screamed, she's the witch and pointed directly at my mother. (laughs) The level of embarrassment that took over my body was crippling, as if I was standing in front of my entire middle school with a giant period stain on my jeans. Oh, God. (laughs) Yep. We know Mm. the levels, those levels of humiliation. I wanted to be burned at the stake myself just to end the humiliation. My mother, God love her, has never once turned down the opportunity to perform. She started screaming and hurling insults and accusations at the other performers. Things like, I'm not a witch. How dare you accuse me? And I'll take all of you down with me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mom is like, my time to fucking shine. (laughs) For real. She also said, just try to burn me. You'll see what happens. Followed by a few choice insane witch cackles. Oh, my God. The audience went crazy. The performers (laughs) knew they hit the jackpot. And I was so embarrassed by my ham of a mother that I was in actual real tears. Yeah. The trial went on with her on the stand screaming at non-equity actors dressed like Puritans (laughs) for what was, if I recall correctly, seven solid hours. (laughs) Finally, it's all improvised. Yeah, that's so awful. Amazing. Finally, after an excruciatingly long time, they found her guilty and dragged her, yes, dragged her under the armpits as she had committed so fully to the role that she refused to walk. Oh, my God. (laughs) Screaming out of the courthouse. Then to the cheers of the townspeople and all the tourists with their Kodak cameras and nylon windbreakers, they threw her in the stocks and marched back to the courthouse, triumphant that they had disposed of yet another witch. My father was laughing so hard he was in tears and high-fiving my brother, who was old enough to be spared the shame I was feeling. 
feeling. Mm. The actors found her after the performance and thanked her profusely for playing along and making the show so much fun. I, on the other hand, hauled my 12-year-old ass back to the car where I refused to come out until we arrived back home in Connecticut. <laughs> Fucking preteens, man. Preteens. Preteen yep. girls. Wow. Well, it kind of feels like the inside of your body is on the outside of your body. Right. So I understand. <laughs> I but still, it. they are true ruiners. Yeah. Oh, and then it says, I didn't speak to her for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, of course, I'm sure the performance was amazing. And I know for a fact that pictures of my mother exist in more than one stranger's family photo album. Yes. But as the girl in the throes of puberty, thanks, I hated it. So that's it. Stay sexy. And if you find yourself in Salem, don't get caught being a witch or a ham. Laura, she, her. (laughs) So good, Laura. That was a great email. That was amazing. How did your parents embarrass the ever-loving shit out of you when you were a kid? Dude. We want to hear your story. My mom would just pull up to wherever we were. Doesn't matter how close to the car we were. We had already made eye contact and go boop, 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 beep, 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 beep (laughs) on her fucking horn every time. To Wait, wait. Was she coming to pick you up? Yeah, she was coming to pick you up. I was with like my (laughs) drug friends. You know what I mean? Like when I was 13, I'd be like, we're all hanging out and we're all punk rockers. And then my mom would come up in her fucking Osmobile. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, Janet, why? Janet. I'm trying to look cool. She's just she's trying to make it fun for herself. It sounds yeah. like at that now point. I get it. Yeah. Now I see that parenting is a fucking nightmare, especially preteens. And you got to oh. get your joy somewhere. And you got to embarrass them. It's kind of your yes. job just so that the humility is always there. I mean, it worked. I thought when you said, how did your parents embarrass you? I thought you were asking me not not doing a call out to the audience where I was like, let's say I am literally 29, <laughs> a list of 29 <laughs> items, no less. My dad, well, because my dad had eight brothers and sisters, so he was masterful and he knew. Yeah. Like one time he, he always bought old cars and trucks and stuff. Like he always liked to have them and redo them and stuff. Mm-hmm. We were in this goddamn, this old white truck that he had and he was driving carpool and the horn at some point just started honking on the way to school without him touching it. And of course we're all laughing until we get up close to school. And I was like 14, I think I was probably a freshman. And I'm like, dad, 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 you have to stop here. And he's like, Oh no, we're going all the way. So truly drove in all the way in. How come ours are both car horn related? That's weird. Yours probably gave me my idea, but then, but it really happened. It's like, what a perfect a tool for teenage humiliation than a car horn. Yeah, like calling you out. And one time we went to this place called Mountain Home Ranch in the summertime, which was so fun. And it was just like this cool, there was all these cabins on the side of a mountain and all these mm-hmm. different things and stuff. Yeah. And we pulled in driving through the kind of like cabin area to where our cabin was. Mm-hmm. And we drive by these two little girls who are like playing jump rope out in front of their cabin and my dad pulls up and rolls the window down he goes hi this is karen and laura will you be their friends (laughs) with this like crazy like look and the sound in his voice the look on his face where i'm like first of all that's scary like don't don't just pull up and start yelling (laughs) (laughs) but then we here's the funny part we did become their friends and their names were Laura and Karen. And Shut they were, your face. I swear to fucking God, they were sisters from San Francisco. 
How confused were they when he said that? He's like, we're already yeah, friends that, with ourselves. I don't I know. I never about. thought about that. <laughs> what that was like on their side. For a scary older man to yell at them about their own names. <laughs> like a wizard pulling yeah. into the place. Okay, I have one more. Okay. Oh, this is so weird. This is about a dad in a car. No. I swear to God, <laughs> this is not on purpose. Hello, guys, gals, and animal pals. I am the youngest of six children, which means anything interesting happened either before I was born or too young to remember. Mm. I learned most of the family lore through holiday dinners when everyone was a little drunk and trying to tell a better story than the next person. (laughs) My dad tells this story almost every year, and it wasn't until I was in my early 20s that I started to believe him. My dad was traveling for business and decided to take the whole family. All eight of us, I'm assuming I was there, but there's a chance I wasn't born yet or just too young to remember, found our hotel room. My dad left to go get our luggage from the car. My oldest brother begged to go with him, but my dad said no, knowing that if one kid got to go, all of them had to. My dad went to the car alone, and when he opened the door, he found, of all people, Weird Al Yankovic and his band. What? (laughs) My dad asked him, Weird Al, what are you doing in my car? (laughs) To which Weird Al answered, I thought this was the hotel shuttle. Yes, Weird Al and his bandmates saw my family's eight-seat van filled with luggage and assumed it belonged to the hotel. In his defense, we named our car Jerome after the football player Jerome Bettis, who was nicknamed The Bus. So it actually looked like a bus. Oh, yeah. I I don't know who that is. Hearing the story growing up, I thought it was so ridiculous, I couldn't believe it. But to this day, my brother is upset he missed the opportunity to meet Weird Al. Aww. Also, the last time I heard the story, my dad said he had gone back up to our room and excitedly told my mom, you're never going to believe it. Weird Al was in our car. And my mom said, wow, who's that? (laughs) After years of hearing the story and having several family members corroborate it, I really believe this happened. And my family is not playing a prank on me. Although if I ever met Weird Al, I don't think I would ask him if he remembers mistaking a stranger's car for a hotel shuttle as to not ruin the memory. (laughs) Thank you for reading and for all that you do. I want you to know that, yes, my badass sister got me into this podcast. Yes. And I hope she gets to listen to this while she studies dance abroad in Israel. Whoa. Wow. Stay sexy and keep your car unlocked in case Weird Al needs a ride. Lily. (laughs) Lily, that was a great story. And I understand your fear of asking Weird Al and then getting the, I don't know what you're talking about, but imagine Weird Al going, that was the funniest thing that happened on that tour. I bet you he remembers because he wasn't a like drug addict or alcoholic because he's Weird Al. So he really has an okay memory. Yeah. I bet he remember. Uh, Did you ever see the movie about Weird Al that came out that Daniel Radcliffe was in? How have I still not seen that? I haven't seen it either. I heard it's great. Like everyone I know really liked it. I somehow missed it. Maybe Lily's story is in there. Maybe it's in there. I have a lot of empathy for Lily because being the youngest like that, I had a friend who was the youngest, like she was like a Catholic oops baby. So she was like Mm -hmm. eight years younger than her brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, Lily, I bet you're one of the chillest, coolest people to hang out with because you basically have to be because you're just, you're the last one in the door. So like your family's already like acting like a family and you have to, you're basically forced (laughs) into like, You can't cry about it. No No. one's like, there's no complaints being received anymore. Your parents had five kids. Yeah. You have to sit and listen. That's your job is sit and listen. Yeah. And by that point, those parents are like great at parenting because they've done it so much. (laughs) Or over it. So they just ignore you. 
you got the best of all the worlds, but you didn't get to be there for the stories, the fun stuff. Yeah. Hey, tell us about your enormous families and what you had to go through because of it. I want to hear about that. My favorite murder at Gmail. Send us all your stories. I forgot how big families have to have special cars. That's right. (laughs) Because I was like, why would the whole band get into like a four-door car? And it's like, oh, no, no, no. no. They have a van. A van. Oh, my God. (laughs) Remember when we got into a van? No. Some other girls got in our van when we were playing in Texas. There was a (laughs) show in Texas, and they thought it was the hotel van that was taking us to our show. And they, they seemed like they'd had a couple at the bar beforehand, but they had hopped in the van <laughs> thinking. And then the guy, the driver thought it was us. He had driven them halfway there. That's right. Before realizing it wasn't us because two like girls having fun, dressed up, ready for a show. They were going to our show, jumped in the back of his van. He starts driving them. And then he realizes they're not the performers. Did he still drop them off though? I hope no, they got a ride. I think he turned around and came back and we were standing there and they, the girls like, you know, spilled out of the van <laughs> laughing their asses off. I fucking forgot about that. That's hilarious. Uh, that's a good one. I think that was a Houston show. If Houston, I had to guess. That's right. Yeah. Wow, guys. Well, if you have ever taken our van or mm-hmm. any family's van, steal a car have a bunch of brothers and sisters, tell us about it. That's right. And also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Alejandra Keck. Our editor is Aristotle Acevedo. This episode was mixed by Liana Squalachi. Email your hometowns to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at My Favorite Murder and on Twitter at My Fave Murder. Goodbye. Follow My Favorite Murder on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase My Favorite Murder merch.